to the 54 or 55 of you guys who have left the review on iTunes, I just want to take a moment to thank you. You guys are awesome. I mean, I just remember being excited just getting the first review all the way up to like 54, 55. Let's try to get to 100. So if you haven't let the review and you enjoy the podcast or you tune in every week, just take a moment to do, to do that on your um, device or really any platform that you listen to the podcast on. Most people are leaving their reviews on iTunes. So I really appreciate you guys. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being really the best fan base that I've ever been a part of and just being an overall wonderful community. So on the road to 100 reviews, thank you guys so much. And let's get on with the show. What's up, squad? Welcome back to the podcast. I am V and this is the Sussex set. Thanks as always for tuning in. Just to kind of give you a heads up, the charity spotlight is actually going to be at the end of the podcast or toward the end of the podcast. Normally that is in the beginning, but it actually blends in with the upcoming events for Harry. So if you're expecting that, just understand that it won't come first this week. Next week, we'll go back to putting it in the beginning. So just wanted to give you a heads up. So on to the rubbish heap we go. I'm going to try very hard not to talk people to death. I have a lot to say as I'm sure all of you do. But let's talk about Wimbledon, shall we? Okay, if you didn't think, if you're like the one person on the planet who didn't think that Megan was being unfairly targeted, think again. Now, just last week, we saw Megan at Wimbledon. It was a surprise visit. It was wonderful for everybody who loves Megan. If you love Serena and Megan like me, then it was a double dose of wonderful. She was there to support Serena, her good friend. I even made a video about that for people who I guess who didn't know that they were friends. Even before Megan met Harry, she would go to Wimbledon with her white Panama hat, sit in the stands and watch some tennis. Her being Duchess, that shouldn't change things. Of course, it changes things in terms of her security and how she moves about in the world. But her interests don't change, right? So Megan is at Wimbledon. She's just kicking it with her two friends that she graduated from college with at North Northwestern, Genevieve and Lindsay. So tell me why nobody in the British press said anything about Megan, quote unquote, being a diva at Wimbledon until now, until this week. Sis was at Wimbledon a whole week ago. Literally a whole week ago, I believe it was last Tuesday, was when we saw Megan, Genevieve, and Lindsay at Wimbledon. There were no stories of a royal protection officer saying anything to the attendees. There was no stories, no even mentions of Megan saying anything to anybody, good or bad. All we saw was pictures of her and her friends. Of course, you can pretty much identify the security if you look at the picture long enough who's there to be her security. And that's it. Serena won her match. Everything was right with the world. At that time, the British hooligan media, the British thug press, their main concern 
Well, who was Archie's godparents? Who were who were his godparents going to be? Why are the Sussexes keeping them private? Don't they know we pay for them? We paid all that money for Frogmore Cottage, and the least they could do was let us see who's coming and going in the church. Why they treat us like this? That was the only thing on the hooligan press's mind. They were doing their usual whining, using all of their tools, all of their tricks, trying to guilt the Sussexes into doing what they wanted them to do. Tools such as getting the public outraged, you know, having people scream so much that perhaps maybe the Sussexes would give in and not wait to release the pictures and information on their Instagram account. They were just trying to pressure them to do anything other than what they wanted to do. We see that they didn't. They kind of need to give up on that tactic because that's never going to happen. But that's the only thing that we saw happening a week ago. Come Saturday, the christening happens. The world fawned. Everybody looked at the picture of the family. Some people wanted to know where the queen was. I told them Doria was the queen. Archie, we got to see his sweet little face. Kate continued her obsession with Diana and her jewelry. Will's standing up there looking like he hasn't gone number two for two weeks. But it is what it is. We got the christening picture. Everybody thought it was great. It went all across the world. The hooligans ran the pictures just like Sussex Royal told them they were going to do whenever they got them, whenever they were released. That's when the hooligans would get them. They ran the pictures. And of course, they ran the pictures. Why? Because they don't have a choice. They're bottom feeders. They're going to get what they get and they're going to go with it. They were going to use them anyway. They were just trying to get them to release them earlier or get whatever little leaks or information they can get out of them. And again, that's not how the Sussexes work. But cool. Everybody was on the, at least on the same page after the christening was, was done. Okay. Even KP posted the picture on their IG. Now that didn't stop CamBots from going to the Sussex Royal IG with passive aggressive comments, which is what they always do. I made a video about that too, but so I'm not going to talk about that. That's my whole point. But um, by the way, the discussion is pretty popping over there. So check that out if you're interested. But we know they're passive aggressive. That's just how they operate. But beyond that, everybody's just doing their thing. Okay. All went well for about 36 hours. On the royal front, everybody was cool. But during that time over here in America, a disgusting creep got arrested again. His name is Jeffrey Epstein. If you have not heard, uh, he is a wealthy human trafficker of underage girls. That's who he is. Okay, he's a buddy to the president of the United States, the current president of the United States. But guess what else? He's also buddy-buddy with Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, the brother of the first in line to the British throne. And that's how we got back at Wimbledon. Nobody was thinking about Wimbledon until Jeffrey Epstein got arrested. Everybody was still geeked over the Archie christening photo. Nobody was thinking about Megan's appearance, such a minor appearance, until it came time for the press to do their jobs, which we know they are not trying to do. They are not into hard news. They're into that fluffy stuff because that fluffy stuff is what sells. I find it weird and sad that out of all of the people in the royal family, Megan is the punching bag for the hooligan press. 
We knew that it was that way from the beginning. It was that way before she was an official royal. But my question is this. What would the hooligan press do if Harry married their perfect English rose, this imaginary English rose that they talk about that they wish Harry had married? What would they do? In the in light of this Jeffrey Epstein news, would they just sit back and let the American media handle it and say nothing about Andrew's connection to this man? Because if that's the case, I think the British public, they need to raise their standards a little bit. They need to raise their expectations for their media, because it's not like this story does not involve someone who they are also paying for. Like they said, they were paying for Harry and Meghan's renovation to their home. The royal family is not above reproach and they should never be above reproach. But as it stands, the hooligans, they have gone in on a pregnant woman for her entire pregnancy. She's a woman of color, and now she's a new mother. They're going against Megan in an effort to distract from the actual disgusting behavior carried out by actual members of the royal family. That's why I tell people these people are not outraged about no cottage. They're not outraged about renovations, just like they're not outraged by somebody spending a million pounds on a damn driveway. They're not outraged. They're phony. They just want to keep trashing Megan every little bitty thing, whether it's her hair looking a little messy or it's her wearing her Panama hat or it's her daring to go to Trooping the, of the Color or Trooping the Color, however you say that shit, excuse me, uh, with her post baby body and fat shaming her. They don't care about no budget. They don't care about the sovereign budget. They don't care about whatever the queen allocates for these people to do to their homes and their properties or her properties, really. They don't care because if they don't care about Prince Andrew being someone who has sexual relations with underage girls, then they don't care about none of it. They're simply racist, racist. That's all they are. And I know people write me all the time and they say, well, you know, you shouldn't say things are racist. You shouldn't be so quick to say that because when something is actually racist, you know, it's not just because Megan is black. When someone is actually racist toward her, nobody's going to believe it because it's like you're crying wolf. To those people, please stop writing me. Just stop writing me. Just don't even come my direction because you're clearly not paying attention it's not about the individual things that people pick on Megan for it's about the whole thing it's about the whole movement to not let up on her because if this week it's Wimbledon next week I assure you it's going to be something else the media has been smearing Megan since the Oceana tour and typically Again, it's been minor things, petty things. And I've always said that cumulatively, they have a dangerous, dangerous impact. Individually, though, each one of them are quite stupid, like the incense in the church or Megan waking up at 5 a.m. and sending emoji texts to people. Stupid stuff like that. But since the Oceana tour, there have been two major smear campaigns against Megan. Just Megan. Nobody else. Not even Harry just Megan. So you may remember this smear campaign number one. The first one was when Willard supposedly cheated on his wife with a married woman and supposed friend Rose Hanbury. <laughs> I'm saying that with a American accent. So mm. 
the 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 girl from Chunli, Chumli, Chumli, the Chumli's girl. She lives in Hot and Hall. She live out there in the turnips with all the other toffs. <laughs> okay, William was allegedly smashing her cheeks, and the word on the street was that Kate wanted her quote unquote phased out of their social circle. The T is Rose heard about it. She said, girl, you tried me. And she went anonymously to the media and leaked to the media that William was hitting that. That's the word on the street. So that story began catching momentum. And if you recall, Bill threatened to sue because his human rights was violated. That's what he said, which is a crock of BS. Okay. Even though they weren't violated, he releases this statement through his lawyers. That's overkill. And that's a sign that, you know, what are you trying to hide? Especially when we're talking about a family whose motto is never complain, never explain. Okay, well, that's a huge complaint. That's the biggest way to complain is to threaten somebody with a lawsuit. So then Dick K put out a story gushing about the Cambridges and how Bill just loves his wife and how loving he is toward his wife and how happy they are as a couple, trying so hard to dismiss any of the previous rumors that had made it to the news that week. And they really didn't splash onto nobody's front page. It was just a little rumbling of something. But like the overkill reaction, it says something is there. So in my mind, all of the reactions to that, that confirmed the rumors for me. I have no way of knowing. But, you know, I've been around for a little bit and I can see when something is trying to be covered up. So in my mind, that was confirmed, especially by me being a newly licensed body language expert. The vibe between William and Kate is cold as ice. They don't have a warm connection that we see with Harry and Meghan. No shade to them. Some people don't, but and it works for them. But they definitely got some ice between them. Even before we even knew who Rose Hanbury was, Kate is his breeder. He's locked into a life that he does not want. She wants him, but he wants a life of freedom. And they both want the perks without the work. Talk about living off the British people, okay? Then what happened during that time or shortly after that time, we started seeing stories about Harry and Meghan being shipped off to Africa for two years. We had talk about them somehow overshadowing the main couple, which, by the way, is not hard to do given the circumstances. Okay, given the work ethic that we know Kate and William have not shown, I'm not saying they don't have it, but they haven't shown it in damn near decade. They have not shown that. So it's not hard to overshadow them. Megan was even on maternity leave when all of this Africa stuff started coming around. And I'm not talking about the Africa tour. I'm talking about the article that said that that they were going to either be going to Canada or they were going to go to Australia. But they had to get the hell up out of England because William and Kate, they got to be number one essentially okay all of that stuff started to come out after the rose stuff started to come out and of course that started to take on a life of its own and it only reflected poorly on the cambridges well and the rest of the royal family because you know how do you let one person decide to ship off a whole family to another continent just because you're insecure about how the people see you but still the key word here is distraction The media focused on that as opposed to focusing on the fact that 
this man in direct line for the throne is allegedly stepping out on his family. So among other things that was said about Megan, that was the main crux of smear campaign number one. Okay, major smear campaign number two is upon us. Over here in America, the American media are going in on Jeffrey Epstein. Every possible outlet, print media, radio, television, like they are hitting it hard and they're hitting it fast. Okay, so I understand that it should be a big story here. He is an American. He has upper level, high level connections all the way up to the president of the United States. But because of the connection to Prince Andrew, shouldn't that be a big story in Britain also? Andrew sleeping with underage girls supplied to him by Jeffrey Epstein. Like Prince Andrew should be the story. It doesn't matter whether Andrew actually cooperates with the investigation. It doesn't matter that the FBI is not going to come after Andrew because they're not going to come after Andrew. They're just not going to do it. Okay. It doesn't matter if you got, well, you do have Andrew in pictures. Excuse me. You do have Andrew in pictures with underage girls. So they're not going to come after him. But it seems like the British press should at least hold him to account. Right. Because you are paying for these royals after all. Right. I mean, one of the people who basically lives off of the British people and lives for free for the most part, and has his whole life and will continue to do so for the rest of his life, wouldn't using the same standard on him that the American media is using on Jeffrey Epstein for the same, well, maybe not the same crimes. Maybe when you look right down to it, sexual intercourse with underage girls, that's really an egregious crime. Jeffrey Epstein is a trafficker. Okay, so I'm not saying Andrew is a trafficker, but it seems like that's egregious enough to hold this man to account, even if it's just in the court of public opinion. And there are other connections too. Andrew asked Jeffrey to loan his ex-wife 15,000 pounds to help her with some of her debts. Now call me naive, but that's a good friend who's going to lend you that much money. I don't care if they have gobs and gobs of money. That is no small sum. And the fact that you feel like you can fix your mouth to ask somebody for money and they deliver. Oh, y'all tight, tight. Y'all buddies, buddies. Like y'all friends, friends. Because Joe Blow, who just met you one time, not going to do that. Now, I know Andrew has status and perhaps clout by him just being related to the monarchy of England or the monarch of England. But you have to be very comfortable with someone to ask them for any money, let alone thousands of pounds. So instead of the hooligans metaphorically sending Andrew to the gallows, which is where he belongs, if you ask me over his seedy connections, they have zeroed in on Megan and Wimbledon. And remember, no one said anything about Megan telling the people they can't take pictures last week when she was at Wimbledon where people could actually take photographs of her. So now it's becoming a cycle, right? It's so predictable. And it doesn't matter if Megan is indoors or outdoors. They're either going to find a problem find something to criticize her for, 
you know, use her as the main distraction to not do their jobs. Because again, she sells their papers on top of all of it. But there's danger in one person selling your papers. You're relying on one person out of all of the people in this family to create profit. And which we know that once you have made profit and once you've identified where your profit is coming from or your profit source, you're going to beat that thing until the ground, until it's dead. And I'm not talking about Megan. I'm just talking about doing what works. If you're selling 10 colors of shoes and nine, 10, nine people out of 10 people are buying the red and then one person comes along and buys the white, you're going to double down on red shoes because that's what's selling. And here lately, this is the first time that I've actually wondered now what the hell Megan got herself into. Now, I know she's a strong person. She's a smart person. She's got a good head on her shoulders. But it just seems so cruel to me for one person to have to put up with all of this BS. For a time period, Princess Diana was the only one selling these people's papers. And the machine, the machine that is the hooligan British media, the British tabloid press, they ate her up. And I really hate this theme with all my heart, but it can't be ignored. We saw what happened. We all saw what happened. They relied on that poor woman. The machine relied on that poor woman. They were greedy. And so when the machine is no longer human and all it seeks is profit, then they no longer recognize people's humanity. Does that make sense? Because that's what I feel like I'm witnessing right now. And it's because the machine itself isn't human. So when all they see is pounds and dollar signs, then that's when something terrible could happen. And when it does happen, they never blame themselves. You can count on that. They're never going to blame themselves. Yet they will stoke all the flames. They'll pour all the gasoline on the fire until kaboom, up she goes. Because the higher the flames, usually the greater the profits. And some of these people, they're trying to become millionaires. Listen to what I'm saying. They're trying to become millionaires off of Meghan Markle. That's what they're trying to do. Diana created millionaires. Now, I know the media was a little bit different and maybe a photo could command more way back in the day than it could now because of the internet and photos spread so quickly. That's why they're so mad at Harry and Meghan because they only share their photos on Sussex Royal or a place like the polo match when everybody's going to be there. You know, so it's not any eager competition. They were in much more danger, if you ask me, when they were out, were still at Kensington Palace because there were so many people that they could not trust. But these people, they know what that culture is over there. And it's kind of like what it is over here, you could say, but it's just not as nasty, it feels like, because we have a precedent here. We have Princess Diana and the danger of what happened with her. We see that sort of, we see the recipe for that. I won't say we see it playing out because I'm not going to speak that over Megan, but the British media is right at the center of it. And speaking of Diana, again, why were they chasing her? 
why else did they hatch a plan to escape the paparazzi? And I'm talking about Diana and her party. They hatched a whole plan to take a different exit, to escape the photographers and the people on the motorcycles. Why? Because they didn't want the picture taken. And I imagine that one could get a little joy out of keeping people from making money off of you. And in the case of Harry and Meghan, to keep people from making money off of your child. But ultimately, what happened? They hunted that woman like prey. And when she needed help the most, they were taking pictures of her in distress. These people are not human because they are willingly signing up to be a part of a machine that is simply not human. They can say what they want about Harry being mean to them. All of a sudden, since Megan came along, trying to guilt him into giving them access. But Harry has not forgotten what these types of people did to his mother. He was not a toddler. That boy was old enough to remember. Just thank God there was no Google and Twitter around when that happened to his mom. But he's old enough to remember. And those were his formative years. So his opinion of the press It's solidified at this point, and it's as low as it ever was. And so because the media hooligans in England, and I'm speaking of the same thugs who hound Megan because they refuse to give us any coverage on Andrew. They focus on Megan. We can only assume that this is a smear campaign. And for some reason, the British press are afraid of the truth. They're afraid to go digging. I guess because they're afraid of whatever repercussions that they may face or they think they'll face and their access to the other royals that they have access to will be cut off or something. But all I know is they're not focusing on it. They're basically deliberately looking the other way and they're zeroing in on the person who's been their punching bag all along. So the story coming out of Megan's Wimbledon visit was that Megan or her protection officer told people who were trying to take pictures of them that please don't take pictures of her. She's here in a private capacity. So knock it off. Let my Duchess live. First and foremost, the world sports press was already in the building taking pictures of Serena Jamaica Williams because she's no small name either. That's why Megan was there. So they were already there. And I'm sure they were ecstatic to see Megan walking on in because during their match, that means that they can, when, when Serena's switching the side of the court or taking a break between games or sets, they can just pivot to the left and take some pictures of Megan and make some more profit. At least they were already there in a professional capacity. They didn't go hunting Megan. They didn't go hounding her for access or anything like that. They are simply there with their good camera lenses. So people are going to be taking pictures of her anyway. That's my point. So it makes no sense for either her or her royal protection officer to tell people no pictures because her picture was going to be taken. Never mind the thousands of people who are already there with their cell phones. Okay? So the claim that Megan said no pictures to anybody just falls flat on its face. Just with that alone. But again, the established narrative is that Megan is a diva. Yet we see a photo of a man and he is taking a selfie by all appearances. Okay. Because truthfully you can Photoshop anything these days, but I'm gonna go ahead and say he was taking a selfie because people take pictures of the court all the time when they're there. I did that all the time at the U S open when I went to the U S open and I lived in New York. So, okay. Even if the man is taking a selfie, 
That man is very close to Megan. And from her side of his camera or his phone, you, she don't know that he's taking a selfie. He might have told them, but he could have been lying just so he can get an up close picture of Megan and her friends. You know, you even see the people sitting behind them. One of them is the Royal Protection Officer. And I guess another person might just be someone on her staff or maybe a friend. I don't know. But they even feel uncomfortable with that man being so close and essentially jamming his phone in their faces. So selfie or not, the man was too close. Some of y'all might remember somebody threatened Harry. So imagine somebody getting that close to Harry after they threatened him. Two people are in prison right now for threatening this man's life and calling him a race traitor for marrying the woman in question. Okay. And then people kind (laughs) of laughed at this, but I was pretty serious when she sat down or she had just made it to her seat. There was a woman sitting behind her with this really sour look on her face. She had on sunglasses, so I can't say 100% can't read her, you know, 100% even though I'm a body language expert, but her arms were crossed and she just had this whole stank vibe about her, you know, at least in the second that the picture was taken and I posted it, I posted it. And, but my point is you don't know how people feel about you when you come around, especially when you're the number one target in the press in conjunction with the fact that people have already made threats against them. This man is all up in their grill People may be giving her the stank guy just because she wants to enjoy a tennis match. You you just have to protect these people. There's like there's a reason why when they go places and with regard to like their homes and their properties, most of the budget is dedicated to security. There is a reason for that. And you might also remember that Megan flew all the way to New York for her baby shower and some chick waited for Megan to come out of the building. I guess she was coming out of the hotel and getting into the black car. And she yelled out charlatan duchess. You might not have seen that video, but that really disturbed me because she was just mere feet away from a pregnant Megan yelling out charlatan duchess all the way in America, in America. Yes, she's from America, but she lives way over to where the, the way over in England, where the British press is basically talking about it. But see, again, stuff gets worldwide. Becky's be worldwide. You know, bitterness is worldwide. So if someone tells you, hey, no pictures, or at least not this close, how I I just don't see how that's a story. But apparently that's the biggest story there is. Because the true biggest story there is, nobody in the British press wants to talk about it. And even though Megan doesn't read these papers, Megan knows the narrative that's being crafted about her. She may not know the specific things that are written, but Harry does. And royal protection officers do. That's their job. So they're simply doing their jobs. Again, most of the money surrounding them and their travels and their goings about is spent on security. The diva narrative is just too irresistible, isn't it? Especially when that's your perfect opportunity to not talk about the real news concerning the British prince's involvement in the exploitation of minors. That would just be too much to ask, wouldn't it? And so they smear. That's just what they do. So when there's a third smear campaign, just understand what it is. 
Because to me, when I see it, that's what keeps me from getting so agitated, even though it's bothersome. It keeps me from being super emotional about it because if I don't check that, dude, I might kind of go crazy because you see something unfold. You could see something unfold in front of your eyes or convince you you see something unfolding in front of your eyes that is sinister. So again, we saw a smear campaign. We're seeing a smear campaign and we will see another smear campaign. It's up to the media outlets outside of the hooligan press to hold them accountable. You know, I know there's been little drips of that, bits and pieces of certain publications, some major, some minor, talking about how ridiculous they are to go after her. But I think at this point, we need a movement. You know, we need to amplify those voices and platforms that do speak out against that. And to help them speak out on the hypocrisy of it, because, again, it is dangerous, you know, and we see a little bit of it here and there with the media increasingly turning to social media for their news content now. But I think this is a perfect opportunity to try to get legitimate news sources to hop on this. We see tweets here and there. You know, I saw a couple of tweets of some verified people. Um, and I also saw a video of an Australian news show just basically saying how this Wimbledon smear was just utter BS. But the the tweet that I saw, which was... To me, it was just great because at least somebody who's verified is talking about it. It was uh, from Tom and Lorenzo, and I'll just read it. It says, starting to think a faux Megan scandal is getting trotted out every time the family faces a bit of a sticky wicket. By the way, how's Prince Andrew doing these days? <laughs> Interesting bit about these Megan scandals how obvious it is that they're not going to play out like the hit pieces against Fergie or any of Margaret's men. It's traditional to use the sparest spouse this way, but the American press, not to mention women of color, are way invested in this one. Dora Milaje is right. Continuing, this always brings up the question of how self-aware the British royal family actually are. It's hard for us to believe that Harry didn't understand it would play out this way, given the family's history. But it's also hard to believe that he'd willingly subject Meghan to this sort of thing. I'm glad they tweeted that. I mean, essentially, the British press, they are cowards. And those who choose not to speak up, even though they see what's happening, they're cowards, too. And by definition, the British royal family as a whole, they're cowards, I'm going to put it that way simply because I don't want to say anything worse. I think that's a pretty bad thing to say about somebody. But if the shoe fits, you know what I'm saying? They are not saying anything, but they would rather speak up about Kate's hair extensions than to actually speak up about the health of a newborn child while the press is bullying a pregnant Megan. Do you see it? So, and I will say this, in Harry's defense, he did speak up in 2016. And I will say he did let her know, hey, this is going to be a little bit different. He said something in an official capacity. And I think if Harry were to do that every single time the British press began to, you know, knock his wife and try to pick her apart as we seeing them do, that would lose its punch. Just just being real, I think that would lose his punch. So instead, they're going about it in a different way. They're basically showing them what they would put up with instead of telling them what they would put up with. 
And again, a lot has to be said for what has been done. The 2016 statement, yes, that was nearly three years ago, but it's on the record. So nobody can say that he doesn't feel strongly about this. We see that he has already sued Splash News, that organization, and he won. And Sussex Royal is now dictating the narrative for the Sussexes and increasing numbers of people are recognizing that. They've essentially cut the media out of breaking their news. They can break some other news, but they can't break Sussex news. Harry and Meghan and maybe Buckingham Palace, if that's what Harry and Meghan want to happen, they're breaking Sussex news. Ain't nobody in the British press breaking no kind of Sussex news these days. So to me, that's one way of showing them what's acceptable and what's not. But we know the British press is going to do whatever they want to do. If this man released a statement every six months, they're still going to harp on Megan to keep from talking about Andrew. They're still going to harp on Megan to keep from talking about Rose Hanbury. So it's, I won't say Harry is powerless, but I'm saying he's using his power in productive ways, productive ways of protecting his own family. But in a way, smear campaign number two, this current smear campaign, I think it doubles as retaliation and distraction. And the media is all too happy to play into all of that. And so is the Roy family, because who are they protecting? Somebody within their ranks that's been there for decades. It doesn't even matter that he's not really in line for the throne. And this is why I say I will never trust the royal family as a whole. At times, it seems like they're soulless. And sometimes there's nothing noble about the institution. Nothing. And underneath it all, you can argue that this family is as terrible as many of their critics might think. I'm not saying they are, but there are instances throughout their history where they have been, if not worse. You know, and so in an effort to keep themselves relevant, they work in tandem to tear certain people down. Never the right people, because if you ask me, they should be throwing Andrew to the wolves right now. After all, this is the same monarchy that turned their backs when their cousin in Russia and his family, let's call him Cousin Nikki, who was German by blood because they all are still Um, They turned their back on this man when he and his family were escorted to a basement in the home where they were currently living and they were shot down like dogs. Granted, okay, granted, he wasn't the best leader of his country, czar. He was not the best. He didn't listen to his people, but he asked his cousin, the king of England, for asylum in his country. You know what the king said? New phone, who it is? I don't know you. That's exactly like that's exactly what happened, you know. And you know what else they did to basically consolidate those murders? They changed the style of the monarchy. They changed the style from Saxe Coburg Gotha to Windsor as a way of distancing themselves from all of those past monarchies. All of those monarchies that that fell to the hands of the people. England didn't fall. And when they changed their name, they were essentially saying, we don't care what happens to y'all. We ain't going nowhere. And if that means we will keep our mouths closed when our kin is being murdered, then so be it. 
Let that sink in, people. This is well documented in history. And we saw what it took just to get the queen to come to London after Diana passed. Despite the love pouring in the streets and people grieving all over London, basically, the queen and Philip wanted to send her off to a funeral home and turn her over to her family. It was Charles, out of guilt, mind you, but it was Charles who demanded of his mother to give Diana, the queen of hearts, the homegoing she deserved, which was a state funeral, because that's what she earned. She helped keep the royal family relevant, too, during her time. But let historians tell it, the royal family doesn't like when people stand out or overshadow the duds who are in the direct line for the throne or outshine the institution altogether. Diana's life did a lot for that institution. And sadly, her death did too. But it was only because of the life that she lived. You know what I'm saying? But people have not forgotten how she was treated in life or death. People have not forgotten that the queen didn't want to come to London to honor Diana. People have not forgotten how they shunned her for speaking the truth. She even went on record to say that the institution doesn't like strong women, women who know themselves and, dare I say, are self-actualized thinking women. She said very plainly that those women are a threat. Now that self-described woman, a self-described actual feminist is in their ranks and she's the most popular one of them all and she's a foreigner they have no interest in protecting her that's just not how it it goes historically I guess and I'm talking about the institution I'm not even talking about the press I'm not saying they actively desire to see Megan's downfall but they're sitting on their hands and in today's day and age their silence could very well be one of the nails in the coffin marking the death of this institution. Like, for real, like, they better wake the hell up because times done changed. And speaking of uh, Cousin Nicky up in Russia, he, he didn't realize that times were changing and he didn't adapt. They were changing faster in Russia than they were changing in England. Those changes were about to come to England because people were really up in their feelings and they didn't, they didn't like the monarchy even way back then. You know, it was a, a, a big enough portion of the population were speaking out and actually being heard that they didn't like the monarchy. But they were moving quick in Russia and he didn't change with the times, you know. And I think an institution like the British royal family, they may think, oh, wow, we've been around this time. We're one of the only ones that, that are left. We're definitely the main one. Look at all our Commonwealth countries. And there might be a sense of invincibility that's going along with that. But things change faster then people think they will. So they better wake the hell up because if something happens to this woman or that child or even Harry, they better quadruple their security budget because people will storm them fucking gates. And that's on period. And again, I'm not speaking that over their lives because I think words have power. But just know people have not forgotten about Diana. Diana is recent history. And we see so many parallels now. So Megan is a self-made American woman of color. I feel as though Megan will rise through it all. 
In fact, she has no choice but to prevail. And of course, we're behind her a thousand percent. Because we recognize the double standard. We recognize the passive aggressiveness. We recognize the complicity of your royal relatives. You know, we recognize the jealousy and envy of your white American relatives, Megan. We recognize the threat to your mental health. And we're grateful that you have a strong character. But it's still a threat to your mental health over time. And we also recognize that they want you to slip up and for you to come out of character they're just waiting on that but we see you and we're here for you and we're not taking our foot off their damn necks we recognize the tricks and we see what they're rooted in we have to continue to push the american media to expose the british media for what they are which is hooligans out for blood so i need all black women with media influence or even a large following on social media to call the British media out. Or even mention the disgusting way that Megan is being treated. I need those people who have spoken out to continue to speak out because I feel like there's strength in numbers and nothing will change if everybody sits back and assume that someone else will say something about it or do something about it. You know, and Megan may even be seen as a Teflon duchess, But again, she has feelings, too. Words hurt her, too. Still, though, she will rise through it all because her character is noble and she will never fold. And neither will we. That's why I love the Invictus poem so much. The poem that gets a lot of people through very dark times, including Madiba, Nelson Mandela. The human spirit, to me... The human spirit isn't served by darkness. Instead, it's served by the fire that burns within it. And sometimes you don't realize that that fire is still burning until everything around you is dark. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes that's when you really shine. So let me read that that Hensley poem right now, because I think a lot of people maybe need to hear it. If you haven't heard it before or if you haven't read it in a long time, I just want to read it because it's also something that is special to me, even though, you know, as I mentioned, and I think in one of the previous episodes, this poem is the poem that gives the Invictus Games its name. Harry was inspired by that poem in conjunction with the people from um the I can't remember the name of the games in America, but when he started the Invictus Games, he had this poem in mind. But this poem is very special to me because there was a time in my life where I said this poem every single day, almost like a prayer for years, for years, because it was just so dark. Like I didn't I almost didn't really even see a purpose in life, you know, not to say I was depressed or suicidal, but it was just kind of like. I needed to acknowledge the force that was within me and stop giving so much credence and so much weight to things that happen outside of myself. I needed to feel like I was in control of some of the things that happened in my life. You know what I'm saying? And thankfully, I'm past that kind of darkness. But this poem really, it was it was very ritualistic. Like I said, at the same time, every single day and today I can quote it to you word for word 
word for word. I'm going to read it right now because I don't want to mess up, but that's just how powerful this poem is. And remember, Nelson Mandela, it was powerful for him too. And of course, that was actually one of the reasons that I began to zero in on the poem because anything that I went through in my life was nothing compared to what Nelson Mandela must have gone through in his. So Invictus, dedicated to Megan. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. So that's what I want people to remember. And this is why I want people to continuously or at least regularly hear the phrase, I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. (laughs) I know I took a turn from classic literature to hood wisdom, but the point, the theme is still the same. Okay. It's because Megan cannot be put away. And she certainly can't go away at somebody else's request, whether directly or indirectly. She is a bad bitch and a bad bitch. She will remain. Okay. Now, I'm sure she sees what the British media is trying to do. And I hope she sees that and she thinks to herself, girl, you can't diminish me. You can't shame me. You can't embarrass me, girl. You can't put fear in me. You can't change me, girl. You can't remove me. And do you want to know why? Because I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. You can't kill me, sis. And we know this because Megan has uncommon strength to her character, her virtue of being a woman raised by a black queen. She is a woman of color, but raised by a black queen. She has a solid but quiet strength about her. And if you ask me, they're only making her stronger. And me, V, I only exist to build a community that lets her know that, sis, if you need us, we have your back. Just say the word. I don't think she ever going to say a word, but <laughs> we here if you do. Boo. So let's move on with an upward. As you know, the premiere of The Lion King is coming up in mere days. The premiere in in Europe. We've I think they just had the premiere in uh, America last night. So cool. Yeah. So that one is coming up. We know Harry's going to attend that one. And I actually have a strong feeling that Megan will be there, too, you know, as it gets closer, because between Wimbledon and her appearing at Wimbledon and the baseball game and the polo match, you know, I feel like she's going to show us some love, you know, and we know Harry's going to be there. Like I said, we knew that almost two weeks ago or at least a week ago because of his interest in raising awareness for the Wildlife Conservation Network and the work that they do to increase Africa's lion population. So, which actually leads me into the charity spotlight. So the Lion King 
is great for the glitz and it's great for the glam. But Disney, Prince Harry, the World Conservation Network and the Lion Recovery Fund are all collaborating to make real change in Africa to increase the lion population. Um, That's the main reason why he's going to the Lion King. It's not to meet Beyonce, although we know that's that's. That has to happen. Beyonce, girl, please just show up, girl. Just show up. You know, even if it's just for like 10 minutes, is just do the red carpet and get back on your G6 and go to back to L.A., to your compound. <laughs> but we need these pictures. So that's all I'm saying. So Disney, again, along with the Lion Recovery Fund, is promoting hashtag protect the pride. And Disney's support of these two organizations has a goal of doubling Africa's lion population by the year 2020. That's great. That's great. In addition to trying to recover the lion population, they want to engage communities and ensure that the future African wildlife and their habitats will continue to thrive. So how are they going to do that? They're going to leverage the global audience of this celebrated franchise, The Lion King, Because to be honest, it stood the test of time, honey. But they're going to leverage the audience and promote Protect the Pride. While they have our eyes, they have our ears, and they have a heart. And so I think that is awesome because truly the Lion King is going to be a global event. So Disney and the Lion Recovery Fund are urging moviegoers and wildlife lovers around the world to participate in this Lion Recovery effort. Now, the sad thing is most people don't realize that since the Lion King was made all those years ago, half of the lion population in Africa has been depleted. It's like if half of the people in our respective communities just disappeared, you know, so because of the lack of awareness, lions and the conservationists, They're not receiving the support that they need to stop the crisis of a dwindling lion population. So with the Lion King, we're hoping that there is true power in storytelling. And of course, Disney hopes to inspire people, especially young people, because young people, they are who we rely on to make the differences in the future. But we have to make one now uh, to inspire people around the world and to get people to focus their time maybe and their resources toward the Lion Recovery Fund and the Wildlife Conservation Network. And for us to just all do our part to get those lion population numbers back up where they belong. So awesome, Disney. Like, I think that is so awesome to just leverage this moment in time and to use it for good, you know, because it's easy to just see the Lion King and say, oh, that's great because we anthropomorphize wild animals a lot, you know, so we kind of start to see them as human. Really, they're just animals out here in the wild trying to live like the rest of us. Big up to Disney for using this moment. And so lions are, to me, they're among the world's most regal animals. They add to the habitat of the wild and they keep the balance of their habitat. So how can you help to protect the pride? Well, to learn more, for one, you can go to the Lion King Protect the Pride website. I will have that linked and you can spread the word. Just retweet it. Tell your friends about it. Put it on Facebook Um, and you can join the conversation and raise awareness of the crisis 
that lions are facing using the hashtag the lion king and hashtag protect the pride or you can contribute to the lion recovery fund to help protect lions that way so go to lionrecoveryfund.org to find out more or you can go to wildnet.org just like it sounds wildnet.org which is the wildlife conservation network website and you can contribute there it's going to go to the same place so thank you harry for shining a light on that i look forward to seeing you guys at the lion king european premiere thank all of you guys for listening if you have made it this far i just want to say thank you i love you be encouraged and just continue to shine your light because if you don't can't nobody else shine it for you Let's just all take a cue from Megan. Just go out and live your best life, despite the fact that the enemies want you down. Keep your head to the sky, girl. Girls and guys. <laughs> okay? Until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.